I get a, I get a little weepy thinking about uh, some of the good, good people who were in Mastodon for a bit, but for whatever reason ended up back at Twitter. Like I, I could put together like a uh, a montage of their avatar images. With some... <laughs> Sorry, I just got you copyright flag. But uh, <laughs> hopefully I was off key enough. But, uh... Welcome to the Nothing But The Toot Halloween Spooktacular, my inscrutable holiday special. What's that scratching sound? It's me. Scraping the bottom of the barrel for ideas on framing devices. Who's that knocking? It's two g g g g guess Who both admin on scary instances. Why did I record an overstuffed double episode with a Halloween theme? Because I'm full of b b b b bad ideas. The first interview is Skeleton of Cryptids Online. Skeleton the Skeleton is a skeleton. That much is made clear through the interview. Skeleton the Admin is a big mushy softy that plainly has a lot of affection for the community that's come together on his instance. The second interview is Anna of Witches.Live. Anna the Anna is a Reddit infamous Twitter band sparkplug and decorated veteran of internet drama. Anna the Admin is someone working to apply those lessons learned toward maintaining a positive experience for users of her instance. Coincidentally, she is also a big mushy softy that has a lot of affection for the community that's come together. I still don't have the technology to transition into the interview, but you can fucking bet I've still got my air horn button. So let's drop the hammer on that baby and then it's off to the races. I'll see you on the other side. Jack Zoris has landed. Hello, everybody. Skeleton, thank you for joining me here in the studio. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing as I always do and always will. This is off to a spectacular start. Uh, so... Skeleton, for people who do not know, you are the administrator of the instance cryptids.online. With each instance, the culture there is going to exist somewhere in a gradient between general interest to specialized content. And most common examples of that are probably instances that are centered around art or technology or sexuality or hobbies. What is it that sets cryptids apart from the other instances? Well, other than the the raw and untapped sexuality, I would say what sets us apart is that we are attempting to reform exactly what is and is not a cryptid. So not to say that what is traditionally thought of as a cryptid isn't valid or beloved by our instance and our members, we hope to do more. Was there a process of you deciding to create the cryptid community? Was the responsibility 
laid upon your bony shoulders, or, or how did you come to this position? So, my background, as I often toot about, is that I am a government employee. All day, working for the government, I have a lot of time to myself to think. I work in files in dark, damp areas, and I have a lot of time to wonder about what it would be like to join a community. And because I am not really allowed outside very often by my superiors on account of I am a walking skeleton, I decided to do that online. I have some some friends from my college days that were also looking to leave their haunts online in some more corporate areas of the internet. And so we banded together and created cryptids.online, where, as our instance says, is a small private instance where cryptids can roam and play, seek but fear. Hearing that you work for the government raises uh, an alarming question. The thing I have frequently heard is that government jobs are what they are. They're not glamorous, but they do have excellent benefits. As an eternal member of the undead, are you even going to retire and get to collect on that pension? Absolutely. I, like any other employee, look very much forward to the day of retirement where I can return to my swamp and slowly pursue my interests in other things and not have to work on files from 8 to 5. The primary reason that I am not already retired with a large sum of funds is that I lost a great deal of it during the Great Recession of 2008. I had previously worked at Enron before that, so I chose to pursue a more stable sort of income, and hopefully choosing the city of Houston won't come with any, shall we say, floodwaters in the next 40 to 50 years. That's, that's fascinating. I don't know much about 2008 or Enron, I do recall seeing a uh, documentary made with the effusive title, The Smartest Guys in the Room, so uh, I presume something very positive and good happened there, and I haven't really given it much of a second thought. That's probably for the best. You put a bunch of smart guys in a room, and what's going to happen? So, <laughs> you'd mentioned cryptids being a, a, a closed community. I think people can go to some instances and... Uh, hit the ground running, making an account there. What is the process of someone joining your community? So, on our page, we have our registrations closed. And the announcement that comes with it says, seek out the administration, or perhaps the administration will seek you. What that implies is that either... You can contact me, socialskeleton, at protonmail.com, or, on very rare occasions, I will recruit um, members of the Fediverse who I believe 
have potential for being an excellent member of our community, either through maining or an alt. There, there is a cryptid vetting process, so to speak. There is. As far as I understand, we are the only instance that has a formalized audition process where a prospective applicant approaches me. I ask for three things. I ask for their account vision, what they would intend to do or be, and some quote, and this has not changed since day one, dank cryptid shit. And we wait and see what they submit, and I bring it to the cryptid council, which is made up of cryptids who are members of our Discord server, and I bring forward the applicant. Somebody makes a motion for approval, and I believe our current formula is 20% of voters who have participated in the Discord during the past 30 days. And so once you have that completed, then the applicant is either approved or not approved, and I extend to them an invitation. How discriminating is that process, ultimately? Is, is it rigorous? Is there like a jeweler's loop that is brought up to the empty cavity where your eye would be as you examine the dank cryptid shit? We prefer consulting more occult items, daggers, patterns of blood, things like that. We also take into consideration whether the proposal has what we feel would either enhance or complement the vibe that we currently give out. We like having lots of different posters who pursue their own interests, but we also believe it's important that they contribute as part of the community and that they fit in with the original theme and mission of spreading fear and terror to anyone who visits our server. Also take advantage of this process. The discrimination or discriminating is true, but in the opposite sense. We do our very best to ensure that the cryptid accounts are culturally sensitive. Many cryptids are um, sourced from folk legends of groups who have faced genocide, oppression, at the very least um, gross characterization in their modern Western media, and we, we try to be as sensitive to that as possible. And so we've, that's usually one of our rulers. For example, we have one poster who acts as a reptilian, a Jewish reptilian, they themselves are a very traditional form of Jewish person and choose to, without putting words in their mouth, take back that stereotype of Jewish lizard people running the world, that sort of thing. So obviously we felt that that was appropriate and in some ways revolutionary Whereas somebody who was not Jewish, if they proposed doing something like that, it would set off some 
apparently serious alarm bells in the uh, applicant council, and we would likely, usually I would not bring it to the applicant council for a vote. I tend to have a, a fairly strong chairman's hand, but should it come to a vote, it never passes. This is uh, already very revealing and informative because fr from the public-facing side, you know, someone like me interacts with cryptids and there is something dark about it. There is occasionally something whimsical about it. There are the, these inscrutable characters there and it's, uh, it's surprising, although maybe it shouldn't be surprising that this much thought and consideration is, is has gone into the elements and, and how these characters are presenting themselves. And uh, I ask now, Skeleton, have you always been a skeleton or were you a living human at one point? If you go back through my posts, I have been very clear on this. I am an ageless being, uh, several centuries old, my skin rotted away in a swamp, and also my eyes are made of fire. And that's all I'm going to say on the subject. I have noticed that the rule set for almost every modern role-playing game asserts that skeletons are weak to blunt or bludgeoning damage. Is this a persistent negative stereotype that you encounter in your unlife, or is there any truth that there would be a damage multiplier if, I don't know, someone were to cudgel you with a mace or flail? Every, every little skeleton who grows up in a skeleton family eventually has to have a talk with their parents about the dangers of bludgeoning objects. We are sectioned off from the world. It's why you frequently don't see us. Obviously, if we were to comically walk into a, a pitchfork or rake of some kind and it were to come up and hit us very hard, that could be the end of it. So we do have to be very careful. Uh, while I wish that were just a negative stereotype, it is 100% true. On the other hand, skeletons do have natural aptitude in both sneaking and thieving. We can pick lockpicks with our, with our bony fingers and phalanges. We also, due to the strong necromantic energies coursing through what was once our marrow, uh, we, we can do some, some, some good mage shit. You know, you, you talk about stepping on a farming implement potentially being a, catastrophic for for a skeleton and i'm reminded of the the recent online fundraiser to shitpost and raise awareness of it uh, bad takes to stop rakes 2k19 why don't you take me through the day of being an instance admin you've mentioned how people come aboard the instance what is the the, the maintenance like on the day-to-day? -day. What are the tasks that you have to keep one fiery eye on? So the frequent idea, at least from my perspective, when I started this instance, was that admins and moderators spend their days going through 
reports and blocking instances and essentially playing defense for their instance. In many cases, that's true, particularly for larger instances. For my instance, cryptids.online, that has not really been the case. I think because of the extremely stringent processes we have for new members, I very rarely get a report that holds very much merit. The closest report I recall having any kind of merit, or at least wasn't just purely a joke, was somebody reported my my good friend and our democratically elected leader, Squid President, for posting too much shit posts about, I believe, Pepsi, and called it spam. And so I obviously ignored it. Um, if you were to go through my reports, they're almost all like that, or they are members of my instance reporting each other just to have another fun way of saying hello to me as the admin. On the flip side, I do try and work hard at staying on top of the dangerous instances that arise agents of sunlight, I guess from my perspective, but bad instances where things like lolly or pornography of children, horrible things are permitted, and I have to stay on top of that, and it's that can be difficult for an admin of a small instance because I don't have a team of moderators. Very few of us cryptids are what I would consider to be very online trademark, so staying on top of that is a great challenge. Finally, I would say my first and foremost role as admin of a themed instance is to encourage that theme and poke and prod my members into being as creative as they can. So I'm often the, the first boost and the first reply guy to many posts on cryptids to, to encourage more posts. I, I, taking a, a proactive participation in the culture of the local timeline is probably my favorite part about being the admin. You, you identify one of your posters, one of your cryptids, as having a particular flavor, a particular style. You see them broadcasting that out there. And in addition to your traditional admin duties of, of regulating instance blocks or dealing with reports, you also consider it in your portfolio of admin duties to advance that culture, to to boost what they're doing, or or if they have a premise to straight man to it so that they can bounce more of that off of, you're saying? Yes. I will boost any selfie, any shit post, anything I can get my hands on. Every day I am uh, intimidated to my core by the creativity and sheer prowess of the members of cryptids. It is not anything close to what I imagined all those centuries ago in the government office when I decided to become part of the internet, but I'm, I'm glad it became what it was. The average Mastodon user is 
not going to to step behind the scenes and an admin an active instance with a you know sizable user base if you could quantify it how much shit are you playing defense against like when you talk about blocking a toxic instance or defederating from folks out there who are uh, doing distasteful or illegal content is that part of the daily grind do you do you have to be ever vigilant on that or is there some channel where you get advance warning or information to be aware of something new on the horizon i usually am not the first to encounter a dangerous instance or user because we just don't have a very wide view of the fediverse there are i believe 46 now users on cryptids.online. Usually what will happen is either one of my members will alert me about an instance or person, or I will see it from one of the several admins that I follow who are about in the same sphere of the Fediverse. For example, I rely on a former guest of yours, Lynn. I rely on Sophia from Glitter Kitten. I rely on, I do uh, check Hannah's herb bands. I, when I started Cryptids.online, I really admire, it's not talked about often, but the way that Cyber.Space is run is top notch. I believe it's the best run instance in the Fediverse. What are they doing that set them apart? They post transparency reports on the donations that they have down to the dollar where everything is going. Everything above what they make usually goes back to some sort of FOSS system or nonprofit, I, I believe. It's been a while. They publish frequently all of their blocks and bands to make it easy for other instances to follow suit. When I started Cryptids.online, I shamelessly and gleefully stole their block list and used that as our starting ground. I have nothing but good things to say about Cyber.Space, and their theme is top-notch. When you uh, go to fave a toot instead of a star, it is a floppy disk, and that reminds me of better days. Oh, I may not be ageless, but I am old enough to remember installing games on DOS and staring at a prompt that's telling me to insert disk at 16 of 32. Hmm, it's good times. I, I have come into many frustrating ends playing Zork as hard as I can, and I very rarely make it past... Oh, I would say 20 minutes in the dungeon. <laughs> well, as we know from looking at the calendar and being very relaxed with uh, relative definitions of words, Halloween is right around the corner. Halloween, I will tell you, is every day. And that's not just a gimmick for the cryptids. Every day... All greetings always are Happy Halloween. We don't say good morning. We say Happy Halloween every day. 
Well, that's a fascinating nugget of cryptid culture that uh, happens to dovetail perfectly with the fact that I ran out of a better idea for how to theme this episode. So, so if I ask you for um, spooktacular Halloween treats or tricks or, or ways to make the Fediverse experience a little more scary, do you have anything to offer up for folks? This is a selfish offer, but... Cryptids.online stands at the ready for any users who want to indulge in practicing their writing or exploring aesthetic. Sometimes we have users who are working on world building for D&D group. Whatever, we can provide a timeline full of supportive, wonderful posters who can encourage and inspire you to reach what it is you want to write. So in terms of spooky tricks and treats we can offer, what better treat than ourselves? And in the current cryptid community, do you feel like there are any deficits? Is there any type of unknown entity or monster or being that isn't currently represented that you think would be beneficial to the mix? I have never considered that before. You will notice that we have never had a Bigfoot or true Loch Ness monster, so or Mothman. We've had Mothman stand accounts but for whatever reason, applicants choose not to to grab the third rail of cryptids and go for the, the blockbusters. I am not sure whether that's something that should continue or not, but that is a gap that I think is fairly obvious. Outside of that, we, we have one ghost, one something that may act kind of like a ghost, we don't have any demons in the traditional sense, if I recall. We mostly, we have a good abundance of eldritch horrors. Ridley comes to mind, the Cambrian Druid. Um, Globster is excellent. But I would say probably more demonic presences are requested should applicants be considering. I've noticed through the course of the interview uh, a single bony digit nonchalantly sliding across the table and toward the recording console. So I'm... Yes. I'm, I'm going to address the, the skeletal hand in the room here. Skeleton, would you like to press the button? I really, really want to press the button. May I, please, as as an admin, as a delegate, as the first servant of the state of Online, press that button. As a historic first, for the, the first time that a cryptid pressed the button, um, I just want to impress upon you that it's very expensive. Every time I have to get it service, they need to bring in a $40,000 tank of air that comes from Norwegian goose honks. Um, it's the only kind of air 
that works with the compressor. But I'm a gracious host. You are a fantastic guest. By all means, press the button. Here I go. Three, two, one. Skeleton. Is a skeleton. Well, I would say that that is the shaded area of a Venn diagram with circles labeled terrifying and redundant. And I think just a sprinkle of inspiring and meditative. Skeleton, we are going to take a commercial and then we will come back and chat a little bit more. Uh, everyone, we'll see you in just a moment. Got a short one today, folks. Show's already too long. Today's commercial is for Facebook, a social network that's not just for college students anymore. When you want to see awful racist memes posted by your uncle, choose Facebook. All right, back to the show. Everyone, welcome back to Nothing But The Toot. We are talking with Skeleton, the admin of cryptids.online. Skeleton, how are you doing? I am still doing as I always do and always will, Jackdaw. You explained to me earlier the, the vetting process for potential incoming cryptids joining mm-hmm. the instance. Uh, what I want to do is pose a series of hypothetical cryptids to you to get a sense of if they would make the cut or not. But uh, my understanding is that since you do this uh, through a consensus process, you would have to be able to make contact with the council from here in the studio. Is, is that possible? Yes. So one of our users, Goat, maintains an alt with us that is Goat's haunted server for for better or worse and goat is in charge of making all of the bots and apis for our discord server so let me let me just show you what goat designed oh, feel free so what i do is i take off my skeleton arm and i place it on the table okay the skeleton arm, when I speak to it through the bot designed by GOAT, will either give a thumbs up or a thumbs down after the appropriate voting time allotted to the cryptids. When I ask it, of course, it automatically adds everyone in the Discord, and they all love that and immediately hop in to vote and drop it, whatever it is that they are doing. If there's anything I know about Discord servers everywhere, it's that folks universally love a bunch of at-everyone messages. Yes. Usually, if it has something to do with a live interview that has very little to do with them. Skeleton, I'm glad that the technology exists. The possibility is here. Thank you, Goat. Goat, thank you for for facilitating this. I'm going to propose the following hypothetical cryptids, and then as the arm gives a thumbs up or thumbs down, please just uh, uh, give the results for the listener. Yes. 
and uh, if if there is any contextual information, if there's any if there's any reason why something just squeaked through or something didn't make the cut, feel free to let us know. I can interpret the twitches of the additional phalanges. All right, skeleton. So here we go. Old Wispy, a man made of smoke, developed by Philip Morris cigarette scientists. Hmm. It is a it is a tentative yes, but the council issues a warning that old man Wispy needs to stay in his lane regarding boomer issues. Boomers, the third rail of discourse right now. It's a very wise, <laughs> wise judgment by the council. Next one. Rock lobster, a crustacean rumored to appear only when everyone has matching towels. Wow. I have not seen this hard of a no in a very long time. I'm going to double down on my comment. That's, that's very wise of the council. <laughs> Judging by the written minutes of this, again, I'm reading the notches and twitches in the bone here. It looks like the Cambrian Druid and Squid President started a coalition to end the vote and bring cloture because they didn't want, quote, another sea-themed account. They don't want another sea-themed account. All right, look, I'm taking Soctopus off the list right now. I think that's best. Squid President has a, a long and storied hatred of all things octopi and really anything to do with the number eight uh, in the footsteps of our great friends over in Discworld. Oh, all right, let, let, me, let me ask you a question with this next one I propose that isn't sea-themed, but river-themed. <clears throat> the Hippobotamus, a semi-aquatic bottom found by the banks of rivers. Ah, so this will be a yes, but the council is asking whether this intends to be a lewd alt or a main account in its own right. Ooh, uh... To learn a bit more about the process, we will say that the Hippobotamus is a lewd alt. What does the council respond to that with? The council responds that as long as lewd content is properly content warning, and the owner of the account continues to participate in the community, perhaps out of character outside, then that is permitted and encouraged. Understood. We look forward to engaging with the hippobotamus. Now, Skeleton, what about the Allegheny Mountain Flan, a delicious custard that mysteriously lives in the Poconos and not the Allegheny Mountains? That, that's going to be a yes. The council offers no additional comments, except I see a lot of in-discord Wikipedia queries for those locations. But it, it, it's a yes. This, this one is a, a little less hypothetical, a little more based in fact. Uh, a gentleman I call the Bakersfield Devil, a Hesher in his early 50s that has somehow been in the crowd of every single metal show I've gone to for the last two decades. Hmm. That will be... That will be a yes on the contingency that 
this person elaborate a little bit on the more mystical side of their powers, if they can perhaps not explain, but allude to these powers of being able to be at every single concert that Jack Daw Ruiz has also been to, we would welcome some creative input on that. So it's they need to, to flesh out that application a bit and explain why they are always at every single Red Fang show, they're at every Deaf Heaven show, they were at the Melvins in 2000. Oh, oh, the bone's moving. The council wishes to extend an invitation to the Red Fangs on their own merit. They are apparently, just by virtue of the name of the band, they are invited to cryptids. I can't say it enough, but the council is very smart. Uh, Red Fang is, is one of Portland's greatest gifts to, to music uh, of the last uh, decade or so. Next proposed cryptid, regular horse. A regular horse. The cryptids commend the horse for its bravery and its beauty and its natural prowess, but recommends, in addition to a denial of the application, recommends that regular horse go apply with George.horse, where perhaps they will be with some more like-minded folks. Understood. I'll try this one on for size. Koala monger, a shadowy entity that mongers koalas. So the cryptids are deliberating, and there's one cryptid, uh, the app, the Muppet Butler, who has a lot of questions about this koala monger. Uh, both the Muppet Butler and another account of ours, Dolly Drop Bear, have more questions of of this uh, koala monger than I believe can truly be allotted in the time that we have given ourselves. Fair enough, I will jump to the conclusion here. Grandma's lasagna, a dish served at every holiday gathering despite no one really being enthusiastic about it because it's mediocre. <laughs> the cryptids recommend that the lasagna attempt to get an invite code from the now invite-only mastodon.social uh, instance. Skeleton, this is a small studio. I ask that you not fire shots in here. Someone's gonna get hit in the ricochet. Well, as you know, I am Texan, and so I am packing that heat. Uh, I don't know how you Portlanders do it without staying strapped in these streets all the time, but I will do my best not to let loose a flurry of shots while yelling and hollering. Skeleton, thank you for indulging me in this exercise to learn a bit more about the application process. Please extend my thanks to the rest of the council for similarly being available for this. Uh, before we wrap up, is there anything that you want to say to folks out there in the Fediverse? To anybody who's listening, just because our registrations are closed through the website does not mean that we don't welcome applications with enthusiasm and open arms. We love new applicants and we love encouraging anybody who's got an idea. Skeleton, thank you for making time to come out here and chat with me in the studio. Uh, 
I wish fantastic luck to your instance. I wish you luck with all your duties adminning, and everyone, we will see you around. Thank you very much, Jackdaw. That was Skeleton of Cryptids Online. Encouraging, nay, daring and challenging you to give form to the shadowy and mysterious creatures of your imagination and create social networking accounts for them on the instance. The next guest is Anna. The interview has a similar theme in how my questions come from a procedural angle and Anna's answers emphasize that her work to try and foster community are equally as important as any technical matter. Two notes. Uh, the first, that the segment runs long because we also end up spending time discussing Anna's foray into setting up a Pleroma instance to get first-hand experience on the platform. The second is that the audio is a little rough because of some issues during the record, but in the spirit of the Halloween special, we've channeled a fuck-ton of necromantic energy to boost and compress the audio back to life. It's not train wreck bad, but I could be happier with it. Still, Anna is someone who's been through a number of positive and negative experiences through online social platforms. Between her past history and her current curiosities, she has a lot to say. It was educational to chat with her and let her say all of it. I'll catch you somewhere around the end of the show, but for now... Jack Dorries has landed. Alright, everybody, we are chatting with Anna of witches.live.live. Is there a correct way to go about that? Yes, it's pronounced um, witches.live. I don't know, this joke doesn't work in audio, so I, I, it could be pronounced either way. I, I can't say it one way or another. We'll find some way to get through the interview and, and clarify on the mystery of your instance in some respects and leave the mystery intact or only amplify it in other respects. But Anna, thanks for coming by the studio. Uh, you are the admin of the instance and I believe as of today just hit, is it 1,000 accounts? Yeah, we hit 1,000. I like surprised and honored. Like, I started this thing i'm like oh it, it's based on this other instance and maybe we'll get to that a bit later but i was like oh if we ever get like 666 users or something like that i want to put a thing on it so that there's some sort of limit on registrations no way i could handle that many people but uh, it's turning out well and i don't want to keep anybody out who wants to be here it's, uh, it's really fun running this i enjoy the space that i've created for everybody and my server hasn't caught on fire somehow yet, so... Uh. <laughs> is, is it you by your lonesome, or do you have a coven of mods working with you to keep the peace? So I do all the technical stuff. I'm the only one with the login to the server, so as far as running it, doing maintenance updates, that's pretty much all on me, but I do have uh, Bad Wrong Fun and uh, Berserk X, who are my faithful, uh, I guess they're co-admins technically. Uh, I. They, I wanted them to have access to things like adding a emoji and things like that. So you have to be an admin. So they're my co-admins. They help make decisions. Uh, and 
They're, they're great. Basically, just people that I knew from my Discord and my like. I do a game Twitch stream and stuff like that. Bad Wrong Fun, especially, was really into someone who shared the dream of bringing back the old witches.town, uh, but in a way we wanted to uh, and on our own terms so that it wouldn't just shut down. Both great admins. I can't say enough how much I appreciate what they did. And how long have you been running there? Oh, that's a good question. It, I started it around, you know, when the big Twitter migration happened. Uh, I, there was a few months there where, you know, uh, there's that whole fever dream that we all had. On, I don't know if you've heard of this uh, instance called bofa.lol. Uh, have you heard of that? Uh, I've been advised not to speak about bofa.lol until it's absolutely certain there's no pending litigation. Yeah, we're, you know, over on the occult side of things, we're still doing some, we're doing some scrying, we're doing some divinations to just figure out, like, what happened there? Was it a fever dream? Did it actually happen? Results are still inconclusive, but very, in this fever dream, at least, I was very active on that. But I was like, yeah, I, I really miss that uh, religious town that I used to hang out on and it had this cute theme. And I was like, yeah, I really want that back. And so I set it up, but then kept posting on Bofa because that was kind of the cool place to be. But then, you know, things happened and it's like, all right, well, want to join my witch instance? I promise I will keep it up probably longer than anybody will ever want to use it. So in the months that you've been running there, what kind of culture, what kind of user base has come together? Uh, I, first of all, I'd like to say that we're definitely not a cult. Uh, we. <laughs> It's all, all reputable organizations put that front and center. They announce it loudly and repeatedly. Yeah, not a cult. I am not the leader of a cult. We're just a bunch of, you know, mostly gay girls, plenty of NBs, uh, and some people who don't identify as uh, female or non-binary in any way. Um, I think they're called males. I, I don't know. But uh, there's a few of those around. And uh, we just have a good time. It's, there's a really great energy there learning about each other. I, I, I think the biggest misconception I have to battle a lot is, oh, I, I, I really like it, but I, I don't know anything about witchcraft. I'm not witchy enough. And, you know, I'm, I'm the queen fake witch. I do not know a lot about the occult. I've learned a lot from doing this, and it's great. If you want to hang out with a bunch of witches, you are welcome. It's right there. It's rule number one. <laughs> so... You've been successful with just having open registration and kind of the word of mouth that brings people in? I mean, that's been pretty much it. I mean, of course, I, especially when certain other large instances that may or may not have existed blinked out of existence. I was like, hey, you know, if anybody wants to join my witch instance that I promise I will keep up running. I've kept a lot of things running long past their prime. So if anything, I could promise that I'm not just going to shut down one day because my ego got bruised. We've kind of established uh, what you were doing presently to work back from there. How did you end up in the Fediverse? Long time. It was, it was sometime in 2016, I know, because I, I found some of my old posts from then. And to be kind of brutally honest, it was a little bit boring. It was a cool experiment. and We all knew Twitter was a dumpster fire, but we didn't really get it then. But it's like, oh, this is pretty cool, this is neat. It'd be cool if people used it, but they don't. Now, at the time, I was following like 4,000 people on Twitter. I could just launch it up all the time. It is. There's this endless stream of 
people yelling about things. It's really entertaining. So it, it was hard to go from that to, oh, like, there's a bunch of posts about Linux, and it's kind of slow. No, no good conflicts, no nothing like that. But I was like, this is really cool. I, I kind of hope it takes off, because now, of course, we've seen how cool the Fediverse is, how uh, cool Mastodon and Paroma and all these, uh, and this key even is becoming a thing. Uh, there's this really cool way to engage with each other and a microblogging kind of thing. And it's way more fun when it's not a bunch of corporations trying to give us brain worms. So it's like, I see the potential, but it's going to be hard to get people using this. Then Jack found everybody and everybody showed up. It's been a lot of fun since. I've, I'm glad that it's been such a huge hit. I, I mean, I, I know that my mental health has improved considerably after not having Twitter try to infest me with brain worms all day and get me to care about whatever news cycle junk everyone's screaming about and actually get to know people, run my own server, don't look at ads all the time, don't have my information harvested through my nose and sold to the lowest bidder. To, to parse that a bit more, how jokey and how sincere is that statement? Like, do, do you actually feel less of that online-induced anxiety or...? Absolutely. Like, without, I didn't realize, I always thought when I was on Twitter that, oh, like, yeah, I know it's kind of bad, but yeah, I don't let it get to me. Like, the advertising isn't really that effective. Yeah, like, it's, you know, it, it's a way for me to get, let my id go wild and yell at people and engage in drama and all this. But it was really not healthy. But of course, the Fediverse has its drama, but it's not done in the cynical way to drive engagement so the jack gets more users so that he can sell more shit to investors it's about we have drama because we all like each other <laughs> and we're all trying to to feel out the boundaries of a community that is only bound to each other and not to some platform that doesn't doesn't care about us at all so as as the admin of an instance you are in a role where you might not just be a participant in drama, but you have to adjudicate over it or prevent it or, or you know, keep an eye out for it. Being an admin and doing this kind of thing is a lot more than, oh, look, here's the report queue. Let's, you know, handle these reports. Let's ban people. And I go days without a report, but that's not really my position. I mean, for whatever it's worth, there's a lot of people who follow me now who listen to me, and I know that I have to... I, I'm known as, as being a little bit fiery. I can be kind of... Uh, I like to call myself a mother bear, <laughs> if that's a good one. So some people wouldn't be so charitable, and I totally understand that, because I, I quite enjoy confrontation. I'm not going... I, I can't pretend otherwise. But I do that in service of my friends, my community. My, my family, people that I love. And that's the genuine thing that I feel here is that I'm making genuine connections with people and we're building something. And that's what it's about is figuring out how to have, navigate situations, how to help people feel good about themselves, how to help people feel comfortable posting. There's a lot of anxiety like, oh, I, I don't know the social mores here. This is a new thing. I'm going to, you know, people are going to be mad at me because I mess up something I don't understand. and there's a lot of work that I do that I pay attention to and trying to make sure that the tone is right, that people feel welcome, that uh, people feel like they're loved. That's what it's about here. It's about 
building a community, building real relationships with each other. And, you know, we're not, we're not hitting numbers. We're not mm-hmm. trying to be mm-hmm. big brands. So when you get reports coming in in your queue, um, are they usually valid? Is there usually something there to pull the thread on or not so much? That's something, like I said, the reports aren't the focus of things. I mean, right now there's a couple sitting open because it's a situation that isn't. And so it's like, I just kind of need to keep an eye on the situation, figure out how we need to intervene. Because that's the thing about actually building a community is you're not this, it isn't like Twitter where they banned my account and I can't get it back and I keep appealing and they just keep giving me the same scripted response over and over again. I think like that, that's how Twitter works, right? And that's no, it's not like that at all. We're actually members of the community. And when there's issues, when people have problems with each other that can't be solved by just blocking or muting each other or something like that, we have to actually get in and talk with people and, and work it out. Uh, but for the most part, and everybody gets along. I, 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 there's a lot of drama happening. And of course, I'm talking with people about it a lot because who is in a messy bitch that loves drama? Right, right. It, it, being a messy bee that loves drama isn't so much a binary as more of like a Kinsey scale kind of thing. It's just <laughs> where you fall, not if you are or aren't. Exactly, yeah. It, it's been a great experience for me because as I've kind of hinted at so far, I've been experimenting with building online communities in one way or another for quite some time now. Uh, and some people, I've had a few people, especially this week, be like, oh, wait. You're a robot Anna. And uh, yeah, I'm the robot Anna who Reddit really hated for a while because I was made bot of RLGBT and I banned people for saying transphobic and homophobic things. And this is the worst affront to free speech that's ever happened. And so, this is what I was saying earlier where there's these platforms who just are completely hostile to you and your family. Like, LGBT people are my family. And you hear me, like Reddit has this huge forum that has issues banning people from it when it's the biggest English speaking LGBT forum in existence. And everyone's upset because you're banning people from it for being homophobic and transphobic. It's like this is the kind of brainworms that corporate social media instills in people. And we all know Reddit's terrible, but it, it really is that bad. Anyone who's done something to infuriate a sizable portion of Reddit should be tossing that on the resume. Uh, on the trajectory from you having that experience to Reddit to you having a thriving uh, Mastodon instance today, what are the takeaways or what are the lessons you've learned about what makes an online community good and healthy? So we all remember the internet from... I'm a little older. I'm, you know, I'm the 30-year-old boomer. I love sugar-free monster. So I remember back before well, Facebook existed, back before all these corporate social experiences existed, we ran our own forums. I mean, there was big ones, like, of course, you know, something awful. And even like 4chan wasn't, like, I mean, obviously there's a lot of baggage around that, but it's a very different vibe and then the kind of things that exist with these, you know, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all this stuff. It's all this, everything's driven by engagement. It's this free service that's given out so that 
they can harvest people's data and give it to uh, give it to people. And and I've run various things. Like one of my the first internet communities I ran that was successful was an IRC channel, mostly for some friends. Uh, it was for a few years. It was a great way to connect with each other. But then it kind of fell to some of the more corporate uh, systems that exist. Ended up going to like Reddit, which I knew was terrible, but I always kind of enjoyed messing with people who are cruel to other people. I, I, I like to turn things around on them a lot. And I did that a lot. I did that on Facebook for a while with like anti-gay groups. I did that. I mean, that was kind of how I got my thing that I had going on Twitter was that I just like to dunk on people. Twitter was this lawless hell zone. Like now everybody gets banned for all kinds of weird things, but it was this lawless hell zone. and. I was taking advantage of that to be like, all right, well, if people can be assholes and dump on people who are vulnerable. I'm going to turn around and do that to them. And that's kind of what that was built on. But it was a very unhealthy dynamic. And where, you know, and then when Mastodon came along and people started using it, it became, wait a minute, we don't have to interact like this anymore. We can control our own experience again. And I learned anew how powerful that is and what, uh, what that means. I guess, what are the benchmarks or what are the metrics of any online community where you would say, like, yes, this is functioning correctly. This is good. This is a good place to be. I think where that is functioning correctly is when you actually have, you have a community that runs itself, a self-sustaining, that controls its own boundaries, it control. It knows what it needs. It responds to the needs of what the people there need. It is interested in the welfare of each other. It's for mutual aid. There's just helping each other and being there for each other in a way that the corporate social media robbed our experience of that. We just kind of were on this thing run by somebody else who had other goals in mind. Like the whole point of Facebook isn't to make you happy. It isn't to make you more well fulfilled. It isn't to strengthen your friendships. It's so to sell you ads, it's to get your data and sell it to to other bidders, and that's the fundamental disconnect. Why it will never be as good as something like Mastodon or Pleroma or even you need people involved. The people running the community and setting the boundaries need to be involved, and I think that's the big takeaway. And that's where even on corporate social media, that's where the communities that are more successful. Uh, sure, Reddit says, you know, I could say a lot about that, but it was the well-defined boundaries of the lawless hell zone of Reddit. You know, they're famous for banning anybody who really wasn't on board with what Shit Reddit says was doing. That was really good for creating a community that had a strong identity. And I still have friends today that I made from that whole experience because we were able to end this zone, tense this out, to have our boundaries, to, to decide... What made us safe? Mastodon is a return to that. Mastodon, the Fediverse in general, even, because we now have full control of that. And even as, as returning to control of that and letting communities set their own boundaries, that's what makes communities strong. That's what builds friendships. Uh, that's what helps people mentor each other. I, I think one of the coolest things about us, the people I met on Mastodon and became great friends with, is that you know, we we all help each other out. We all help each other with our life experiences and uh, talk about where we've been. We all learn from each other and it's wonderful. I love it. If, if the distillation I'm getting of that is correct, 
these other platforms like Facebook or like Reddit are, have an issue where the real goal is not fostering a good community. The real goal is something ulterior, like you talk about uh, the harvesting of data, the showing of advertisements. When that drops away, when you don't have these ulterior reasons for gathering all the people together, then exactly actually yes. having a functioning community becomes the reason and people can and definitely do ascribe all kinds of weird ulterior motives to me and you know, i don't really blame them some people don't like my personality and i get that i can be pretty brash to say the least i'm glad that for those people they can still find a place on the fediverse where they feel happy where they find people they can trust and one of the greatest things to come out of this is that you know, we can you know, we set our own boundaries. There aren't really too many randos walking in all the time and stomping all over our our social moors because they're driven by some sort of wacky engagement algorithm to just come out of nowhere and be weird. Uh, I, I mentioned Pleroma a few times in this interview. Right, and you, you have a bit of an experiment starting up there, don't you? Exactly, yeah. So there's I set up a new... Um, Pleroma instance. It's at, uh, if anybody wants to check it out, it's at bophades, B O P H A D E S, dot witches, dot L I V E. And I've just, I want to check out Pleroma. It's, there's a lot of bad rap that it gets around the Fediverse. And I've even said some things that I kind of regret, I really regret now, actually, because they were set out of anger, out of misunderstanding. One of the ways I have constantly heard Pleroma uh, uh, build is being agile and being simple. So for getting it installed and running, how easy was the process? <laughs> In that case, I, I kind of chose hard mode uh, a little bit for the memes rather than just using uh, a Debian-based system. So there's different ways. Debian is kind of the one of the more popular, easy ones to get going. And uh, I want to do Arch Linux, which is notoriously uh, bare bones. And you kind of have to do a lot more stuff yourself. But I wanted to do this the hard way, so I had to figure out how to use Arch Linux. I, last time I used it was about 15 minutes on a virtual machine before I gave up, like five years ago. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, But there, there's plenty of helpful people out there. I'm like, I'm typing Pacman dot dash s and then the name of the package of what it's all nothing's happening it's giving me all these errors it's like no you have to do pacman dash syd or i forget what it is offhand and you know, people know about this stuff and they're passionate and they're they're willing to help out and i got it running i think i had it running you know within the space of an evening and uh, kind of got it actually configured and working pretty well the next evening it really wasn't that hard um if, as someone coming from a linux background the meme is that you can just plug a Raspberry Pi into your home network and self-host your own Pleroma, and that's not wrong. It, it, it's so lightweight that it can actually do that. That's kind of one of the shots that are fired all the time is, I was like, oh, Mastodon, you, you talk about Mastodon being accessible, but you know you have to get this expensive server to run it and do all this wacky stuff. It, it's, it's a fair point. I, I think I love Mastodon personally. I think it's great. I, it, it's a lot more ready, I think, for prime time in a lot of ways uh, than Pleroma is. 
So maybe um, Mastodon has a bit more polish, but but what I keep hearing about uh, the ease of running is accurate from what you're seeing so far. It's really easy to get up and running, but adminning it at, at the moment is a little more tricky. Like If you want something like Mastodon, where I mean, I installed Mastodon, I don't know anything about the ActivityPub protocol, still didn't really months later. And I just had it running. Uh, but Floroma's not there yet. They're working on uh, like an admin, uh, called? they call it admin FE, admin front end, so that some of these admin commands that you currently have to go back and log into the server, go to the command line, type these commands. If they're working on making it so that you can actually do this from a front end. It, it's not too terribly difficult, but you do have to spend a little time digging up the documentation. But I said, Pleroma is still very much a work in progress, and even though it is, I'm still rather impressed by it. So now that you've got it up for a couple of days, what's the initial experience like? So there, there's kind of two sides of this, right? So on one hand, I wanted to know about the technical experience of running it, but there's a lot of discourse about Pleroma. There's uh, in the interview with Lynn. Especially, there you touched on this how there, a lot of people think Pleroma is this Nazi software for Nazis, and that it just brings all these Nazis to the Fediverse. And that's a really unfair characterization, uh, as Lynn mentioned. I agree with her there. It, it, that's not quite it. I also mentioned earlier that I said some things in anger that I kind of regret now. And one of those was that I found out that if you go to free speech extremist, uh, which is a rather infamous Pleroma instance, because it, it's exactly what it says on the tin. You, if you go there, you look around enough, you can find my Anna, which is the LIVE profile. You see almost all of the posts I've made. I've had that instance blocked since the second I heard about it. Mm-hmm. And at first I was really mad. I thought that, oh my gosh, here they, they, this Pleroma software is set up to just sort of like, passively surveil everything and is made maliciously to try to spy on people or something like, you know, kind of stuff like that. It kind of said some mean things to some people um, who kind of took that personally. And if, if you're listening for whatever reason, you probably hate me to block me. But if you are listening, I, I really am sorry. And the, um, the truth of the matter is that ActivityPub is a very leaky protocol. And anybody who's not familiar kind of with you, know, you, you just kind of know Mastodon is the thing that you go to. Uh, there's a lot going on there. You have Mastodon, but that runs on top of a protocol called ActivityPub. And ActivityPub's kind of like HTTP. Uh, or like when you go to a web page, I'm sure everybody's aware that it's this long text, plain text document that has all these tags and codes and things like that that tell your web browser, here's how you display this page. And ActivityPub's like that, but instead it's, you know, here's this message. It's intended for this audience, for this person. Uh, I haven't actually dug into the spec too deeply, but it's pretty flexible. It's meant to be something that uh, lets you run social networks and have them be federated and talk to each other. And uh, mm-hmm. it's typical kind of in the free software discourse. It was mostly designed by what I could only assume were cishet white dudes who don't who really only think about the experience for themselves. One of the problems with ActivityPub is, say we're having a conversation. Uh, I'm talking to you on Mastodon.social, and we're having a back and forth. And on my instance, I have blocked 
free speech extremist, but Mastodon does social hasn't. It probably has, but just go with me here. So I'm having this conversation with you, but someone on free speech extremist somehow gets wind of this conversation or somebody boosts it or something like that. They click on one of the toots that you've made that or in reply to me on witches. And what happens then is a request is sent. It's called a get request to Mastodon.social. How that works is that Mastodon.social says, okay, you want to get the thread that this particular toot's involved in. So here's the whole thing. Here's all the statuses from everybody. Mm-hmm. Here's you know, the user IDs, the conversation, everything that's you know public public or, or publicly visible in some way, that's all sent straight over to, in this case, free speech extremists. And this isn't exclusive to Pleroma. You, there's Mastodon instances that are like this. Uh, and that's a fundamental flaw with how ActivityPub works. It is a difficult conversation that a lot of people are having is, where do we try to fix some of these plugs? And where do we have to tell people you can't really expect privacy on this platform? There's no encryption. Pretty much anybody can get at anything. If, if blocks are a thing, but everybody knows you could right-click on the timestamp, open a new private window, and see it logged out from any instance. So nothing's really private. Nothing's encrypted, certainly. That, that does seem to be like a perpetual exchange about what people's expectations are for blocking, for privacy, and, and having something reasonable and as safe as possible and striking the balance between that and not having an unrealistic idea of privacy and safety. Because if that can't perfectly be achieved, then there's a risk in thinking that you have it. Oh uh, Yeah, so I'm kind of in the weird position that I wanted to set this up in part to talk with the parts of the Fediverse that are blocked on you know, the main witches instance. And there's various reasons I want to do that. Uh, but there's still some things that I want to block. And so I don't want to, even on this, I don't want to see that. There's reasons I still want to be able to talk to them or see what they're talking about. So I don't want to block them. But I can say, you know, just don't show me media from this instance ever. And I, still have, I still have this window open to my Pleroma server right now. And there's, you know, I have um thing I've set up so far. So for a couple of instances that are known to just have images you never want to see, I removed the media from it. So you can still talk to them, but media is just not going to come through. Uh, on Mastodon, all you, you can either do a media silence and just not allow that to go through at all, or you can outright block them. In my example, I used a Twitter.ad. Now, Twitter.ad is a great instance, and I think people... There, they tag their stuff. They're they're a good Fediverse citizen. Uh, if anybody's not familiar with it, it's kind of like a sex worker instance that has a lot of uh, this are the people who are advertising sex services and things like that. There's probably as many of you are probably aware. There's been a lot of legal issues with that and weird crackdowns that really more hurt sex workers than anything else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I I kind of want to use them as an example, but they're not. I want to make clear they're not bad people, but. You know, just in case, you know, somebody's posting their ad or something and they don't tag it, you know, I, I don't want to be at work looking at my Pleroma instance and, you know, just suddenly there's this untagged pornography. So I have, so in Pleroma, I could say, mark everything coming from them as NSFW. Mastodon can't do that. So basically, you could say reject. That's basically a hard instance block, like go away, I don't want to talk to you. And you can also, if if anything does show up and 
come up in your purview, you could remove them from the federated timeline. There's a lot more flexibility there. Uh, one thing, one kind of mean thing I have said about the romance is, is that it's like, okay, it was mean, but it's not really untrue, is that half the time if you're having issues with one and you go check it out, somebody's boosting the N-word from some uh, anime avatar edgelord, and nobody wants to see that stuff on my instance. If I was running Paroma, if I, from what I understand, I could go put in a list of hard slurs that nobody wants to see, and it'll just automatically do whatever with them. It could drop those messages, it could compile a report for me, like, hey, maybe you, you know, automated report or something like that. Be like, hey, like, you really want this person around? Uh, so there's a lot more flexibility there, and what I really, really admire about Paroma and the ethos of the people working on it, it's a very much a running it yourself, being in complete control of the experience. And I know it has kind of a reputation as being for these, you know, free speech extremist types, but there's a lot of people running Paroma kind of for themselves or for the group of friends you don't hear about because, you know, they're just doing their thing and posting good. You're sitting here in your Macedon client, you don't know what they're running. The Paroma community is very much into helping each other out and kind of giving you the tools to figure this stuff out. And it's not always accessible for everybody. And I think that's a really cool ethos. I think it's really good praxis, honestly. Uh, I know a lot of anarchists don't like me because that's not quite my tendency of leftism, but I really admire a lot of anarchism and anarchism practice. And I think Pleroma is a great example of that. By the way, if anybody is a Mastodon admin or wants to be one and wants to, uh, wants to get some help with that, I, I do have a Discord server that's really helpful, so that, just let me know if you want an invite. I understand people are maybe skeptical about the admin of free speech extremists, you know, making more copies of itself out there, but if you can step back from the discourse for a minute, realize that's a really cool ethos. It's a really cool way of doing things. Uh, there's uh, one, many people are familiar with uh, Kanini, who's a uh, Kanini? I'm not sure how you say that, but they're... I, I'm, I'm not certain either, but I think if we we can get it wrong and folks will know who we mean and there's no there's no malice behind it. <laughs> Kanini. Like, I'm assuming it's Japanese, because like hmm. most other people involved Paroma, there's anime avatars involved. Uh, so Kanini, I guess. Uh, and they, they're one of the developers of... Uh, they're one of the developers of Paroma. And they're working on stuff, and they're kind of known, I think, what the nickname that's been kicked around is Spicy Rabbit, because they're not really shy about how they feel about Mastodon kind of sucking the air out of the room and a lot of the technical discussions of how to interoperate with the Fediverse. And, like, a lot of people, they, they can be kind of cranky, I guess is one way to put it, but it's not entirely undeserved. Like, uh, there's been a lot of discourse about Eugen being sort of a BDFL, a benevolent dictator for life. And that's kind of the thing with Mastodon development. Eugen calls the shots, and uh, he's a great guy. Uh, of course, I love the interview he had on here, and he's—I and love what he's made. Uh, and there is an argument to be made for the experience that Mastodon provides, but uh, also, like Lynn said in the previous interview, it's a very different process. You have several main developers; things are discussed in IRC channels and on things more d democratically, and uh, can. Kanini is very outspoken about some of the issues they encounter and how they come across it. And there's, they're very different structures, so there's not the same analog, but uh, Kanini is the 
sort of eugenish figure of the Poroverse. And the they're out there telling people, if you want me to set up an instance for you, I will. Uh, I talk to them a lot. I, there's, we have a lot of kind of unexpected things I'm finding in common, and I enjoy talking to them. I've never even got Eugen to save a two, uh, saying something nice or sending a picture of my cats. Hey, Eugen, what's up with that? <laughs> but uh, but yeah, there's a lot more openness and there's a lot more discussion out there about uh, about how to do this, and there's a lot more of a kind of mutual aid thing going. Like I mentioned, it's an anar- it's really good anarchist praxis, and it's very much about getting everybody to be in control of their experience, even down to actually running the server. So, so the way that uh, leftist mastodon, the way that it functions right now, is it something that is informative for people to arrive and kind of learn about the issues and get exposed to some ideas or is it exclusionary and that anyone coming in is going to be exposed to some kind of um initial purity test or have to meet some kind of a threshold to participate yeah, I think that's a hard perception to overcome. Uh, like I mentioned earlier on that kind of one of the issues I have to battle with getting people even to feel comfortable signing up for my instances that, you know, like, yeah, we have a theme. It's witches and it's kind of the occult and, you know, it's a goth instance or I wear this bright yellow Pikachu shirt right now. I'm not, I don't, I'm not a super goth. It's kind of an aspirational thing for me. Like even after I set up my own instance, like one of the reasons why I just, kept going on the, the fever dream that is Bofa, according to legend, is that it's like, it's a place where you could just ship post relentlessly and have a good time. And it took a bit for me to be okay with, you know, running this witchy goth instance and ship posting myself. But, you know, how do, how do I get other people okay with that? And early on, I had to kind of really convince some people, like, no, just, you don't have to post about uh, tarot cards and Ouija boards and uh, rituals and all this sort of thing. You come in and just post about whatever, post about your life, post whatever you think is funny, post how you feel. It's, we have a theme, but it's just a theme. Like, you don't have to stick to it 24-7. And part of being a witch and being, I, I kind of consider a witch someone who is a seeker of forbidden knowledge, who's somebody who, to me, a witch is somebody who doesn't follow the status quo. There's somebody who has rejected it, lives their life in a way to, mm-hmm. to they're not into patriarchy. They're not into the way things are. Uh, the, the original witches, you know, weren't doing like, weird magic stuff and hexing people and turning them into frogs. They were women who didn't want to be married to some guy and live this domestic life uh, for whatever that meant and whatever era they're in. And I, I love that because that, that's a really good glimpse into what a witch actually is. A lot of people think it's knowing all these things or arcane rituals or such. It's it, it's uh, women especially, but you know, non-binary, even males. Uh, you know, people who they're pursuing something outside the norm, outside the status quo. Exactly. It's a study of you know that's why the occult is a big part of it. Is it's it's seeking things outside of say like the Bible or something like that, that's, you know, well, where can we find other sources of magic and ritual and inspiration? 
And I, despite running this witch insist, I'm not a big believer in the supernatural, but I am a big believer in the power of ritual. Even if there's not a supernatural element to it, there's a lot to be done with focusing your energy, focusing on what you're trying to accomplish, focusing on how to strengthen your bonds with others. And rituals can help us do that. But the most important thing to me about being a witch is that you, 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 you're looking for something different. You're looking for something outside the mainstream. You're looking for some place to fit in that, that caters to you, that caters to what you believe and the bonds that you want to form. Like, I'm not a pagan either. I'm not a Wiccan. It's, it, it's about an attitude. It's about what you bring and the energy you bring. And that's who I want there, people of any persuasion, of any aesthetic, who really want to explore these new ways of interacting with each other and building something better and discovering themselves and their friends and their community through ritual and shared experiences. You know, I, I want to thank you for making time to chat with me. We are going to take a break, uh, but while we're doing that, please keep your mind uh, tuned to the themes of ritual, to, to, to witchery and mysticism, and when we get back into it, I will have some questions to put to you. Hi folks, the ostensible goal of this interview series, or the stated intention, if you will, has been to learn more about this platform through speaking with people. I think both interviews today helped flesh out the possibilities that exist to have very distinct and separate flavors across Fediverse instances. Also, the broader discussion with Anna really served to remind me that something fairly exciting is unfolding around us. There are some pretty gross and banal things happening in the tech industry right now. Ludicrous amounts of money are shuffling around in service of charlatans figuring out how to use current technology to reinvent services that already exist, and how phone apps can convert what used to be employees with jobs into underpaid contractors. It's a landscape where most of the attention is either focused on introducing you to new products or converting your demographic data into its own product. But when we talk about people like Eugen or Kanini or their contemporaries, giant nerds to be certain, we're discussing people who are applying their talents toward improving how technology can let us organize and communicate. And I think what they're doing is genuinely exciting. So, to quote Marge Simpson, I just think they're neat. We'll get back in to wrap up my discussion with Anna. As always, thank you for listening. Welcome back, everybody. Nothing but the toot, the Halloween extravaganza. A special episode. We're talking to Anna from witches.live. Anna, how you doing? Great. Uh, having a great time talking so far. Though I'm a little nervous for this next part. I, uh, I, I haven't. I don't know what I'm supposed to study for. So you, you, you shouldn't. <laughs> you shouldn't be nervous. We're going to take advantage of your expertise here. We're gonna. We're gonna buy into the premise 
that uh, I'm, I'm working out the rule set for a high fantasy role-playing game set in the Fediverse. Oh, no. And because I'm a... <laughs> Because I'm a well-documented idiot as I'm doing this, and I'm working out the nuanced magic system, I've listed out a series of material components that are needed for spellcasting without actually determining what spells they resolve into. So since you do come from the witch's instance, since you, you, you are uh, a creative individual who has acquired some knowledge on this, I am going to list off the material components, and you just tell me what spell they should result in. Okay, so this isn't a quiz. This is, this is a creative writing exercise. You could choose to view it that way, um, or you could choose to view it that there is an objective answer that is correct, depending on it. Well, I think we already went over my philosophy on this. There's no right answers in witchcraft, so I think we're going to have fun with this one. I am going to start listing some devious spell components. A vial of brackish water, one black opal, and dust from the gravesite of Bofa.lol. Anna, what is that spell? uh, Okay, so this spell spell is for if, uh, say, you want to promote peace and coexistence through the arts, uh, you could use this spell and. this spell is the regents used to cast a spell that's known. Um, it's a spell known as Cornarium Prophetium. And uh, the stated intention of the spell is to promote peace and coexistence through the arts. Uh, so if you wanted to conjure up, say, a rap battle uh, in order to uh, you know, respond to the renewed violence in Gaza, you can organize a demonstration in New York City uh, attended by fewer than 50 people. And uh, use the spell to contemplate both Israel and Hamas's attacks on civilians. All right, I'm telling you right now, if any of my player characters in the campaign cast that spell, I'm canceling them. Dude, Moving that, on. That's probably for the best. So, the next, the next collection of material components. <clears throat> a clump of moss from yonder bog. A crude engraving of posted hog. Those two? Just those two. Uh, so that's how uh, that summons the the reply guy. Like, if you need a reply guy for various reasons, like you just have a really funny take. Uh, you have a really good take. Like, uh, there are situations where you would want to summon a reply guy. Yeah. But but yeah, but you want if you really want to summon a reply guy, this is what you would use. So the sometimes you just really want somebody for a little attention and validation that you, you don't really want to mm-hmm. do much more with so this is how you, this is how you get them to show up uh, fair to, okay this channels that energy and brings them to your timeline all right so how about this next one a bottle of ink a clean sheet of parchment and a hot take from a tanky from a tanky you said mm-hmm. um so the this is the uh god damn you're gonna make me go here uh this is how you summon a defense of the democratic people's republic of korea uh, if, if you really especially want to get people who are diametrically opposed to the concept of tankies upset, mm-hmm. uh, you could just simply post something like, uh, Kim Jong-il did nothing wrong um, using this parchment, and you, you'll be canceled for days, and called all kinds of terrible things. I don't really recommend it, though. I, I've said much milder things than that, and still causing me <laughs> issues to this day, so 
don't cast this one. This is no, it's bad. It's bad news. It's just not not a not a spell for beginners. No, I, I think even it, like, I I consider myself an advanced spellcaster, and there there's consequences uh, that yeah you don't want to nah just stay away from this one. Okay, so how about this next one? A can of monster and a playlist of nightcore music. That's how you summon me getting home and uh, posting on Mastodon while driving. So that's like conjure energy for commute? Yeah, so I need, I need the monster energy to keep my focus and not hit anything uh, mm. while using voice to text like the boomer that I am. And just really just let the shitpost fly uh, while I'm flying down the freeway at 90 miles an hour. Next spell components. <clears throat> A little bit of Monica in my life. A little bit of Erica by my side. Um, this is the spell of terrible boomer repressed memories of high school. <laughs> That's what this is a spell of. So if you really want to conjure a powerful shitpost to annoy the olds like me of Macedon, mm -hmm. this is where you can start. You can, you can do a little bit of Monica. You can do a, uh, a you know, come my lady... Uh, there, there's a few that that can really just bring back the true horror of being a teenager in the 1990s. <laughs> okay. How about how about a red dragon scale, the wing of a bat, and the tail of a fursona? Sorry, it's so a red dragon scale, wing of the bat, and the tail of a fursona. You're summoning like a bat furry, which uh, I like to be more of. I love bats and I love furries. I'm not a furry, but I think furries are lovely people, and I have a lot of furry friends. So, yeah, if there's any bad furries that out I've there, especially ever... John Paul, hit me up. I, I, mean, I yeah, I've never encountered. I love bats. I, yeah, I've been of a goth instance, of course. I love bats. I love spiders. Uh, the, I've seen some like people who are into spiders and like kind of identify as a spider in some capacity, but never bats. Which is weird. People love bats. Bats, they're so cute. I mean, you see, like, like you brush them with, like, you know, the pictures you brush the bat with, like, the, the toothbrush. It's just the most adorable thing you'll ever see in your life. I've seen those pictures, and I'm not, I'm not quite sure if that's for a hygienic or therapeutic purpose, or if it's just for the amusement of brushing a bat with a toothbrush. But I'm, I'm glad that they're yeah, out there. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think it's kind of like, um, I mean, they seem like they're kind of delicate creatures. Oh, yeah. You can't really pet them with your finger. Like, they're probably a little too small. But if you have like a little brush, it, I don't know, I'm trying to imagine being like a small little bat creature. It's like, hey, this like brushy thing on my head, this feels great. You know, like, I, I can, I, that's what I think it is. I think it's like a way to pet a bat, uh, just like they're a cat. Okay. Next list of components dark chocolate, unsalted butter, sugar, four large eggs, and plain flour. I think this is how you bake a tribute for Hyane. There, there's a, uh, as some of you may or may not know, my avatar is a Hyane from the visual novel Analog A Hate Story and Hate Plus. And uh, Christian Love, go check it out. I think I still have a couple copies. If anybody can't afford it, wants to play it, hit me up. I, I will hook you up with this game that is wonderful. And uh, Hyane did nothing wrong. I don't want to give away too much, but in Hate Plus, uh, uh, these regents are things that you have to use to progress the story. So. Yeah, that, that's what that's for, is if, if you're playing the best visual novel of all time, uh, made by a, a game developer, her, at Christine Love, at, I think she's on Mastodon.Social, 
she has a Mastodon account that I, she actually responds to people there. She's responded to me. Uh, so definitely check that game out. It's great. There's a reason it's been... And once you play, you'll be like, that's why Anna's had her as her avatar for years now. This game changed my life. It's great. Go play it. It's, it's a strong endorsement. Um, I'm not a gamer, so it's, it would be physically impossible for me to check it out. But if anyone else out there is... It sounds interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, you, you don't have to say any gamer power words to advance, so that, that, that has a leg up over things like uh, Fortnite. All right, and then the last one. A copper bowl of ram's blood and three drops of milk from Big Titty Alf. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Where do I go with this one? I'm pretty sure this is how you summon Vape. If any, anybody out there who wasn't part of fever dream that was both at LOL, especially kind of the first week or two. It was kind of, it was kind of notorious for having these memes that would, like every two hours there would be this completely new set of memes. And uh, it's kind of started with a phone stove that was the original kind of logo of the, uh, the, it ended up becoming the logo for the instance. And then uh, Big Titty Elf became the next thing, which was Elf with titties. Exactly what you expect to be. In fact, that, that emoticon is on witches.live because it's, it's hilarious. Shout out to Extinct, who, who did the illustration on that. Extinct? I did not know that. Thank you, Extinct. It's, it's brought me much merit. And thank you for the feedback on these very, very powerful, very magical spells. Oh, anytime. Is there anything you wanted to say from the platform? Is there anyone you wanted to shout out? Or um, Yeah, first of all, I have to give a shout out to uh, Be With Your Mind. Uh, and Nadia, they told me that if I do not give them a shout out, that I would be in big trouble. And I fear their witch energy. Also, they're a very attractive person. I, I, I think everybody is really rooting for, for them and the, their girlfriend. Shout out to Nadia. Anna, thank you for coming by. Thank you for being generous with your time and chatting with me about your experience as the admin of Witches, your experience in the Fediverse. And everyone, thanks for listening. Have a good night. Have an enchanted evening. <laughs>